0: Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of stinky and for a bigger job try the superior strength of hefty large black bags Star Wars 7x7 episode 1215 today it is a rebels briefing on season 4 episode 5 occupation punch it chewy Hey, I'm Anthony Bresnikan covering the Star Wars galaxy for entertainment weekly and You're listening to Star Wars 7x7 the only daily Star Wars podcast Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and this is a day that we've known was coming for a while. A return to Lothal, or as Mon Mothma says it, Lothal, like Lothal, like <laughs> Genevieve O'Reilly's accent is definitely different. So we've got Yavin 4 and Lothal, and I'm not making fun of Genevieve O'Reilly's accent by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that it's funny to hear different people say it different ways, and I've always described the whole pronunciation thing. In Star Wars, in terms of, well, let's ask the person who is closest to it to find the correct pronunciation. So when Han says Han Solo to introduce himself versus when Lando's getting choked and he says Han, or when C-3PO says Han, or anything like that, or when everyone says Leia or Leia or whatever, like it's Leia because that's how she pronounces it, right? Again, it's C-3PO who actually says Princess Leia. So I don't know, maybe... It's that whole bridge thing. Anyway, all that aside, this episode is called The Occupation. And interestingly, it is not The Occupation Part 1 and The Occupation Part 2, because essentially the next episode, Fly to the Defender, is exactly that. It's The Occupation Part 2. This is an action packed episode, to be sure. And it also brings in a lot of elements from previous seasons. So they actually managed to make this one feel like you've got a whole complete mini universe that they're drawing from the criminal Visago comes back into play and the puffer pigs that were an issue between him and lando calrazine in earlier seasons they get him puffer pigs so that way he will smuggle the ghost crew onto lathal to find out what is going on with the tie defenders there's been some new development And if you're not familiar or you haven't been listening to the podcast, the TIE Defender is, yes, that old ship that appeared in the TIE Fighter video game way back in the 90s and they made canon with Star Wars Rebels. It has hyperdrive, it has shields, but apparently there's some new development that the Rebels on Lethal, led by a guy named Ryder, have discovered. They tried to send word to the Greater Rebellion about it, but unfortunately that transmission was cut off, which is why... The ghost crew is going in to find out what the scoop is. But interestingly, Mon Mothma says that the lockdown by the Imperials of Lothal is so complete that they can't guarantee an extraction. Even if they can get in, they can't guarantee that they'll get out. And Ezra's response to this is that I've been thinking a long time about this, and if I'm going, I'm going there to help my friends, and I'm there to stay. So don't necessarily know what that means like could he possibly be considering breaking off from the ghost crew and intending to stay on Lothal even if they're successful in their mission and the ghost crew is able to escape now here's the thing I have not seen the second part Flat of the defender just yet and I will do that for tomorrow's podcast but there's a special reason why I haven't done it yet which I'll talk about after the break so we'll skip that for the moment Anyway, they manage to get onto Lethal. of course. The vessel is scanned, and there are a bunch of unregistered lifeforms on the ship. So the ISB meets them when they land and puts gravity locks on the ship. There is a great scene, very fun... (laughs) for them to be able to escape out of this. They trigger the puffer pigs, so they blow up like giant balloons, so that way the stormtroopers think, and the ISB thinks that those are the unregistered life forms that were on the ship. So they escape, they split up, they're going to split up, and let's see, Zeb, Kanan, and Hera are going to find transports, and Ezra Chopper and Sabine are going to try and get a line on old Joe, who is part of the rebellion unfortunately at old joe's old bar they find out it's been taken over by the imperials with some jaunty imperial march music playing in there meanwhile kanan and Hera actually get that moment that we've seen in the trailers where he says i wish i could see you and she says you could always see me and what they don't show in the trailers but they show in the episode is that they are about to kiss they are about to straight out kiss Finally, but in classic Star Wars fashion, they are interrupted by Zeb coming in to say he's found all the transports. Meanwhile, Ezra and Sabine are extracted from a potentially sticky situation by a fellow cadet at the Imperial Academy on Lothal that Ezra knew named Jake Hell, who is sympathetic to the cause. He says, hey, you helped me out and now it's my turn to return the favor. That's when Zeb and Hera and Kanan show up, but unfortunately fortunately, the Imperials have traced them, and so now they're all together and being shot at by hover tanks that look very much like the hover tanks we saw in Rogue One, so they have to disappear into the sewer, Into the sewers, excuse me, at which point they are pursued by probe droids, and there's a moment where they're going into the bar and the guy who is tending the bar, a former Imperial flying ace, Baron Valen Ruder, to be specific, is questioned by the stormtroopers and asked if he knew that the hatch that the rebels disappeared down into the sewers into was not sealed and he says no and you kind of have a moment where you think "Mm, maybe he is helping the rebels out after all just maybe just maybe anyway they get down into the sewers and the imperial send probe droids after them interestingly kanan is not able to sense the probe droids before zeb does i thought that was kind of a curious thing and there is a lot of firefight and back and forth with probe droids and then stormtroopers once the probe droids actually transmit the coordinates of the rebels location they realize that Ryder is using the rebel insignia inside the tunnels to direct people out to a junction point on the outskirts of town, and they manage to make good their escape when Ryder meets them at that junction. And that's when he gets a big disappointment. He finds out that there is no major rebellion presence coming to rescue him and to destroy the TIE Defender factory that so desperately needs destroying because of whatever new development has happened. And Ezra says, Oh, we're going to do it. You know, it's a small group. This is how rebellions always start. And Ryder says, Well, we'll go check out the factory tomorrow and then we'll see if you're still singing that same tune. It's a very cliffhangery moment in a very action packed episode. And I got to say, one thing that I didn't mention at the outset is that when they land on Yavin 4, Yavin 4, <laughs> as they're saying now these days, as they land, there is a familiar silhouette of an astromech. And I know. Astromechs are a dime a dozen in the Star Wars galaxy, but the beeping noise sure sounds like R2-D2. I can't imagine why he might be roaming around there in the scene, but you just can't mistake those beeps and boops for anything else. And so it was a lovely little surprise to hear that in the midst of this episode. And a couple other things, too. The probe droids, maybe the probe droids are different ones from the ones that we're familiar with from the Empire Strikes Back because these ones do not seem to have self-destruct sequences and it seems like they got close enough to the rebels where why not just have one or two of them self-destruct? Even if you don't kill the rebels, then certainly you, you know, just maim them or daze them or something like that. I mean, Zeb was able to grab one and smash it physically. You would think... They would explode, but no, actually, because of course, you probably can't do that for storytelling purposes. But I guess not all probe droids self destruct or have to self destruct necessarily. I think maybe it's because it was actually on the attack, perhaps, instead of it actually acting like a spy so that it wouldn't get captured and that sort of thing. That would be kind of what my rationale on the whole subject would be. And, you know, the whole thing about Lethal in general. When they arrive, like they're looking at it from space and it doesn't look like the planet that Ezra remembers. And when they get below into the atmosphere, he realizes that they've just somehow burned it all. This is the phrase that Ezra is saying, like they have burned it all. Like, you know, what happened? And we don't necessarily get a bead on what that's about. But I guess the idea is that the Empire has done some pretty terrible things to the ecosystem of the planet as part of its... I mean, I guess scorched earth campaign, (laughs) not to put too much of a pun on it, but a scorched earth campaign to root out the rebel cells inside Lothal. They paint a bit of a grim portrait of the state of Lothal, even as they continue to have the light touch of the cartoon series itself. It's a rather delicate line to pursue, and so far they're pursuing it, but they're definitely giving the audience a little more, right? I mean, getting the older audience, if you will, a little more heft to the material, I would say. And that mostly covers the Rebels briefing I want to do for you. But like I said, there was something I wanted to share after the break. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. slash TFA. Welcome back. All right, so I mentioned at the top that I was going to be covering the second half of the episode on tomorrow's podcast, Flight of the Defender. It's not that unusual because it's exactly what I've done for the last two weeks with the In the Name of the Rebellion two-parter and the Heroes of Mandalore two-parter, but this case was particularly special because I'm part of the million or so people who are without power right now in New England thanks to the giant wind and rainstorms that blew through the area. Again, no pun intended. And I was at about an 87% charge on my laptop battery power when I started recording. I'm down to 65 now, so I'd say the odds are pretty good that I'm going to be able to get this edited and uploaded in time for you to be able to enjoy it wherever you might like to enjoy Star Wars 7x7 And we still won't miss a beat, doing everything I can to make sure that it's still seven minutes at least a day, seven days a week for you. So (laughs) if you wouldn't mind sparing a thought to the million or so folks who are without power, they tell us it might be a multi-day restoration effort. You know, we're doing fine here and everything's good, situation normal and all that fun stuff. But there are a lot of people who could use the good wishes much more than we could hear so if you would spare a thought for those folks i would appreciate it thank you so much as always for listening i'll talk to you tomorrow with flight of the defender the second part of this episode if you will not really because it's not part two right been through all that anyway and as always may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you get set up for your attack run, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not three marks at 210, it's Destiny Unleashed. is not endorsed or sponsored, yet, by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, or their respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars Sun Lesson. 7 We hope you love it.